Section 11 of Seeking a Human Spaceflight Program Worthy of a Great Nation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Seeking a Human Spaceflight Program Worthy of a Great Nation by the Review of U.S. Human Spaceflight Plans Committee. Chapter 5.0 Launch to Low Earth Orbit and Beyond, Part 1 Launch to Low Earth Orbit is the most energy-intensive and dynamic step in human space exploration. No other single propulsive maneuver, including descent to and ascent from the surfaces of the Moon or Mars, demands higher thrust or more energy, or has the high aerodynamic pressure forces, than a launch from Earth. Launch is a critical area for space flight, and two of the five key questions that guide the future plans for U.S. human space flight focus on launch to low Earth orbit, the delivery of heavy masses to low Earth orbit and beyond, and the delivery of crew to low Earth orbit. 5.1. Evaluation Methodology for Launch Vehicles Launch vehicles and associated ground infrastructure are key elements of the architectures that support human spaceflight missions. Launch vehicles are generally designed anew or adapted from existing vehicles to support a specified mission or range of missions. The mission definition drives the size, performance, production rates, reliability, and safety requirements. This is particularly true for clean sheet that is, new designs. For the adaptation of existing launch vehicles to new missions, greater compromise between the launch vehicle and the mission is often needed in order to execute the adaptation and thus realize the benefits sought. Primary among these benefits is proven safety, cost, reliability, and performance. The Aerospace Corporation performed for the Committee an evaluation of potential launch vehicles the metrics used in evaluating the various launch vehicle candidates, as shown in the upper left-hand corner of figure 5.1-1, contain the usual cost, performance, and schedule parameters, but also include items such as safety, operability, maturity, human rating, workforce implications, impacts on the U.S. industrial base, the development of commercial space, the consequences to national security space, and the impact on exploration and science missions. Some metrics could be evaluated quantitatively, such as cost and schedule, while others required qualitative assessment, such as the impact on as yet undefined national security space missions. At a summary level, the assessment process centered around two evaluations— the first was to assess and modify, where appropriate, the claim for a system as submitted by the provider of that system. The second step was to represent the uncertainty associated with the assessment of each metric for each launch system. This process made it possible to capture cases where claims might be judged to be less than their stated values, but with a fair degree of certainty, as well as cases where a claim was judged well within historical bounds, but significant uncertainty remained about the estimate. 
it also permitted at least a first-order comparison of existing vehicles with proposed vehicles including defining the uncertainty in that comparison a sample summary of these evaluations is shown in the upper right-hand corner of figure 5.1-1 in analyzing individual launch vehicles the study approach examined approximately 70 lower level metrics that contributed to the 13 top level metrics a summary was created for all relevant launch systems for each mission category as to their ranking relative to the other launch systems capable of supporting that particular mission. 5.2. Heavy Lift to Low Earth Orbit and Beyond The insertion of heavy payloads from Earth orbit towards their destination is essential for exploration beyond low Earth orbit, and such systems significantly benefit from heavy lift to low Earth orbit. The plan of the Constellation program for the exploration of the Moon envisions launching about 600 metric tons per year to low Earth orbit, while exploration along the flexible path may require somewhat less launch mass each year. NASA scenarios for the exploration of Mars will have comparable annual requirements. In the three years of lunar surface exploration during Apollo, which had a less capable lunar surface infrastructure than is currently planned, NASA launched over 250 metric tons per year. As a point of comparison, the International Space Station, assembled over the last decade by the shuttle, has a mass of about 350 metric tons. Thus, in the era of exploration beyond low Earth orbit, we will launch to low Earth orbit a mass comparable to that of the entire International Space Station every year. The key decision for heavy lift to low Earth orbit is on what should the next heavy lift launch vehicle be based. The committee examined five candidates for heavy lift, with their estimated launch mass to low Earth orbit shown in the rightmost five bars of figure 5.2-1. In the end, to simplify the considerations, the committee treated the five launchers in the four classes summarized in figure 5.2-2, the currently planned Ares-1 and Ares-5 architecture, the Ares-5 light, used in a dual mode for lunar missions, a shuttle-derived vehicle, and a super-heavy launcher derived from Evolved Expendable Launch Vehicle, EELV, heritage, the shuttle-derived class was used to represent both inline and side-mount vehicles, each of which will be discussed in detail below. 5.2.1 The Need for Heavy Lift First, the committee examined the question, do we need a heavy lift capability? While it is obvious that the ability to inject massive spacecraft away from low Earth orbit is vital for exploration, there is some question as to the smallest practical size of the launcher that will be used to carry cargo to low Earth orbit. The committee reviewed the issue of whether exploration beyond low Earth orbit will require a super-heavy-lift launch vehicle that is larger than the current heavy EELVs whose mass to low Earth orbit is in the 20 to 25 metric ton range, and concluded that it will. 
However, the rationale for this decision is subtler than usually thought, and hinges on three factors, the size and mass capability of the launcher and of the entire U.S. launch capacity, in-space refueling capability, and the launch reliability expected for a given mission. No one knows for certain the mass or dimensions of the largest piece of hardware that will be required for future exploration missions. It will likely be larger than 25 metric tons in mass, and may be larger than the approximately 5-meter diameter fairing of the largest current launchers. The largest single element in the current NASA plans that will be launched to low Earth orbit is the Earth Departure Stage, EDS. Not counting its approximately 60 metric tons of payload, the EDS arrives in low Earth orbit on a standard lunar mission with a mass of about 119 metric tons, of which about 94 metric tons is fuel, and only 25 metric tons is dry mass. In the absence of in-space refueling, the U.S. human spaceflight program will require a heavy-lift launcher of significantly greater than 25 metric tons capability to launch the EDS and its fuel. However, the picture changes significantly if in-space refueling is used. All of the heavy-lift vehicles listed in Figure 5.2-2 use an EDS to lift the specified payload mass to low Earth orbit. In the conventional scheme, the EDS burns some of its fuel on the way to orbit, and it arrives in low Earth orbit partially full. The remainder of its fuel is expended in injecting the payload towards its destination beyond low Earth orbit. The alternative is to refuel the EDS in low Earth orbit from either a dedicated tanker or a fuel depot. This allows more mass to be injected from the Earth with a given EDS. Studies commissioned by the committee found that in-space refueling could increase by at least two to three times the injection capability from low Earth orbit of a launcher system, and in some cases more. Thus, an in-space refueling capability would make larger super-heavy lift vehicles even more capable, and would enable smaller ones to inject from low-Earth orbit a mass comparable to what larger launchers can do without in-space refueling. See Figure 5.2.1-1. In fact, the larger elements launched to low-Earth orbit tend to be propulsion stages, and these are usually about 80% fuel by mass. If there were the capability to fuel propulsion stages in space, the single largest mass launched would be considerably less than in the absence of in-space refueling. The mass that must be launched to low Earth orbit in the current NASA plan, without the fuel on board, is in the range of 25 to 40 metric tons, setting a notional lower limit on the size of the super-heavy-lift launch vehicle if refueling is available. As an additional benefit of in-space refueling, the potential government-guaranteed market for fuel in low-Earth orbit would create a stimulus to the commercial launch industry beyond the current International Space Station commercial cargo services market. The committee examined the current concepts for in-space refueling. There are essentially two. In the simpler one, a single tanker performs a rendezvous 
and docking with the eds on orbit transfers fuel and separates much like an airborne tanker refuels an aircraft in a more evolved concept many tankers rendezvous and transfer fuel to an in-space depot see figure 5.2.1-2 artist's concept of a fuel depot servicing the earth departure stage then at a later time the eds docks with the depot fuels and departs earth orbit the committee found both of these concepts feasible with current technology but in need of significant further engineering development and in-space demonstration before they could be included in a baseline design this would require engineering effort and at some development investment long-term life cycle savings may be obtained the concept of in-space refueling introduces the idea of critical launches and less critical launches in any given mission. Using the lunar mission with crew as a reference, the critical launches would carry the Orion, Altair, and EDS to low Earth orbit. Depending on launch vehicle capacity, this could be accomplished on one flight as it was in Apollo, two or even three launches. Less critical missions would be the ones that bring fuel to low Earth orbit. The committee commissioned a detailed analysis of the reliability of missions that would require multiple launches of critical and less critical payloads. It found that achieving reasonable probability of mission success requires either 90-plus days of on-orbit life for the EDS or a depot, and that at most three critical launches should be employed. Since it is very constraining to balance mission components to always partition equally between launches, this strongly favors a minimum heavy lift capacity of roughly 50 metric tons that allows the flexibility to lift two dry exploration elements on a single launch. Another way to view the requirements of heavy lift is to consider the recurring cost to NASA of using a significant fraction of the yearly existing and planned U.S. launch capability after the shuttle retires. At reasonable production rates of the existing EELV heavy launch vehicles, mid-size EELVs, new commercial vehicles, and the Ares-1, much, if not all, of the excess capability that exists in the U.S. production system would be used launching 400 to 500 metric tons to low Earth orbit, and it would be an expensive way to accomplish this. The committee finds that exploration would benefit from the development of a heavy-lift capability to enable voyages beyond low Earth orbit. This might be supplemented by the development of an in-space refueling capability, in-space refueling has great potential benefits, but needs development and demonstration before being incorporated into a baseline design. Using a launch system with more than three critical launches begins to cause unacceptably low mission launch reliability. Therefore, a prudent strategy would be to use launch vehicles that allow the completion of a lunar mission with no more than three launches without refueling, this would imply a launch mass to low Earth orbit of at least 65 to 70 metric tons, based on current NASA lunar plans. 
vehicles in the range up to about one hundred metric tons will require in-space refueling for more demanding missions vehicle above this launch capability will be enhanced by in-space refueling but will not require it when in-space refueling is developed any of these launches will become more capable the development of such a heavy lift vehicle would have other benefits it would allow large scientific observatories to be launched potentially enabling them to have optics larger than the current five meter fairing sizes will allow more capable deep space science missions could be mounted allowing faster or more extensive exploration of the outer solar system heavy lift may also provide benefit in national security space applications 5.2.2 the choices for heavy lift the committee examined the four choices for heavy lift outlined in figure 5.2-1 and figure 5.2-2 all of which pose different heritage capability maturity and organizational ramifications they will be discussed with reference to the use on a typical lunar mission and a flexible path mission ares 5 the ares 5 is used with a human rated ares 1 for lunar missions the so-called 1.5 launch architecture the ares 1 launches the orion which docks in low earth orbit with the altair lander and eds launched on the ares 5 the Orion and Altair departs towards the moon, propelled by the EDS. See figure 3.4.2-1. The Ares-1 rocket is currently under development by the Constellation program, and has a great deal of commonality with the Ares-5. This version of the Ares-5, in contrast with the Ares-5 light discussed below, is the most capable of the launch vehicle alternatives under study with a payload to low earth orbit of about 160 metric tons see figure 5.2.2-1 when used in conjunction with the ares 1 the combined payload to low earth orbit is about 185 metric tons with an appropriately designed lunar lander one ares 1 and one ares 5 land about 2 metric tons of cargo on the lunar surface of a human mission and about 14 metric tons reaches the lunar surface on a cargo-only mission with a single Ares 5 launch. Both the Ares 1 and Ares 5 use solid rocket boosters, SRBs, a five-segment SRB in the Ares 1 and a five-and-a-half-segment SRB in the Ares 5. The Ares 5 first stage uses six engines from the RS-68 family, the engines are mounted on the bottom of a 10-meter diameter tank. The second, or Earth departure stage, is based on the J2X engine, which the Ares 5 shares in common with the Ares 1. The advanced RS-68 rocket engine of the core is a modification of the RS-68 engines used on the existing Delta IV launch vehicles. Certain changes to the RS-68 for use in the Ares family are anticipated. These include upgrades to reduce hydrogen flow at startup and for extended operation in the more aggressive Ares-5 thermal environment. 
the J-2X rocket engine is a modification of the J-2 engines used on the Saturn V program. The use of the Ares I as a means of crew transport to low Earth orbit will be discussed in Section 5.3. Ares V Light The Ares V Light is a slightly lower performance variant of the Ares V, with a low Earth orbit payload of about 140 metric tons, but with the same essential configuration as the Ares V. However, in this option it would be human-rated, as it is used for crew launch with the Orion. It uses five-segment SRBs, already under development for the Ares I, and five core engines, a derivative of the RS-68, the engine used on the Delta IV heavy EELV. It would use a slight variant of the same EDS as the Ares V, with the same J-2X engine. For lunar missions, the Ares V light is used in the dual mode. The Orion and Altair are launched on separate Ares V flights, and they dock either in Earth or Moon orbit, depending on the mission mode eventually chosen. With a combined payload to low Earth orbit for the dual launches of about 280 metric tons, this architecture would enjoy considerable payload margin that could provide significant enhancement in mission robustness for lunar missions. With an appropriately designed lunar lander, this system lands about seven metric tons of cargo on the lunar surface on a crewed mission. With a single Ares V light launch, the same lander can deliver about 14 metric tons on a cargo-only mission. When used on flexible path missions, a single Ares V light and EDS, in combination with the Orion and an in-space habitat, are able to support a visit to the Lagrange points without refueling. In order to reach near-Earth objects and beyond, in-space refueling, or alternatively multiple Ares V light launches, is necessary. Shuttle-derived launchers the committee examined the shuttle-derived family, consisting of inline and side-mount vehicles substantially derived from the shuttle. These are all characterized by four-segment solid rocket boosters, space shuttle main engines or their RS-25E expendable derivatives, and 8.3-meter diameter external tanks as used on the space shuttle. This class actually comprises a family of possible vehicles. Shuttle-derived side-mount launcher On one end of the spectrum is the side-mount launcher that is most directly derived from the shuttle. See figure 5.2.2-2. It replaces the shuttle orbiter with an expendable side-mounted payload carrier that contains both a clamshell-type payload shroud and a propulsion system consisting of three space shuttle main engines, SSME. It uses the exact same tank and SRB configuration as the shuttle. It would likely carry an EDS with a J-2X engine internal to the payload bay. This would be the smallest development effort possible within the family. Depending on details of design, a side-mount launcher with an EDS can lift 90 to slightly more than 100 metric tons to low-Earth orbit. Shuttle-derived inline launcher 
At the other end of the spectrum is an inline vehicle such as the Jupiter 241, with four SSMEs mounted at the bottom of a redesigned tank thrust structure with an EDS atop the tank. See figure 5.2.2-3. Once the existing stock of SSME engines is depleted, this configuration will use an expendable version of the SSME, the RS-25E. The upper stage uses liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen as propellants, with a single J-2X rocket engine. The committee evaluated the smaller Jupiter-130 that does not have an EDS, but used the more capable Jupiter-241 as the basis of comparison, which has a launch capacity in the range of 100 to 110 metric tons to low Earth orbit. In a lunar exploration scenario, it is assumed that three shuttle-derived launchers of a nominal 110 metric ton capability would be used for a crewed mission. A single launcher would be used for lunar cargo missions. When used in conjunction with a lunar lander designed for this size vehicle, this system lands about five metric tons of cargo on a crew mission. A single launch cargo mission lands less than five metric tons of cargo on the lunar surface. However, a single launch cargo mission enhanced by the use of in-space refueling increases the cargo mass landed on the lunar surface to more than 20 metric tons. For flexible path missions, two shuttle-derived launchers, combined with in-space refueling of an EDS, are required to propel the Orion and in-space habitat to the Lagrange points, near-Earth objects, and beyond. While the committee did not examine the technical trade between the side-mount and inline variants in detail, it observes that the side-mount variant is considered an inherently less safe arrangement if crew is to be carried, and is more limited in its growth potential. EELV Heritage Super Heavy The EELV Heritage Super Heavy launchers represent a potential family of vehicles derived from the current Evolved Expendable Launch Vehicles Heritage. They are distinguished technically from the NASA Heritage Vehicle by their use of liquid booster rather than solid rocket boosters, and secondarily by a hydrocarbon RP-1-fueled rocket in the first stage core. See figure 5.2.2-4. The upgraded EELV systems would have a core vehicle that would by itself have a launch capability to low Earth orbit in the range of 30 to 35 metric tons. Using a super-heavy variant that would have a core and two boosters of the same basic design, and when used in conjunction with an upgraded common hydrogen-oxygen upper stage, it is likely to have a maximum payload to low-Earth orbit in the range of 75 metric tons. This exceeds the nominal minimum for a heavy lifter useful for exploration as defined above. A representative of this category of launchers is the Atlas V Phase II Heavy. The EELV Super Heavy uses two RD-180 rocket engines on each of the core and two boosters. The RD-180 engine has a long history of successful launches in Russia and in the U.S. on the Atlas V family of launch vehicles. 
the upper stage uses liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen as propellant with four rl-10 rocket engines the rl-10 family of engines has a long history of successful launches on programs including the titan atlas and delta families of vehicles the atlas phase two is a proposed follow-on of the eelv program with larger five-meter diameter stages manufactured using the existing five-meter production facilities that currently produce the delta four core stages when used in conjunction with flexible path missions the eelv heritage launcher and eds send the orion and in-space habitat towards the lagrange points near-earth objects and beyond with two launches plus in-space refueling developmental considerations any of these launcher options will entail a substantial development project the committee observes that throughout the history of launcher development and particularly for the shuttle the aim has frequently been to design for ultimate performance often at the cost of reliability and operational efficiency in particular nasa's design culture has repeatedly focused on maximizing performance at minimum development cost generally resulting in high operational and life cycle costs while performance is important in launchers good performance margins and associated robustness are also desirable and can lead to lower life cycle costs a shift in nasa design culture toward design for minimum life cycle cost accompanied by robustness and adequate margins will allow nasa programs to be more sustainable there is one additional consideration regarding heavy lift capability in all missions beyond low earth orbit there will be a need for one or two additional propulsive maneuvers far from earth for example in visiting the moon a burn is necessary to enter lunar orbit and another to leave when visiting a near-earth object a burn is necessary to decelerate to rendezvous with the object and then a second to return to earth exploration will require a long duration in space restartable stage this would become a building block of exploration propulsion systems potentially including the lunar descent stage findings on launch to low earth orbit and beyond the need for heavy lift a heavy lift launch capability to low earth orbit combined with the ability to inject heavy payloads away from the earth is beneficial to exploration and will also be useful to the national security space and scientific communities the committee reviewed the ares family of launchers shuttle derived vehicles and launchers derived from the eelv family each approach has advantages and disadvantages trading capability life cycle costs operational complexity and the way of doing business within the program and nasa in space refueling the ability to add fuel to an earth departure stage either from in space docking with a tanker or from a depot is of significant potential benefit to the in space transportation system beyond low earth orbit the technology for in-space refueling is available, but a further development and demonstration program is required. 
Therefore, a prudent approach is to develop a heavy-lift launch system with sufficient capabilities for early missions, which would later be enhanced by in-space refueling when it becomes available. Sustainability of Operations of U.S. Launch Systems NASA's design culture emphasizes maximizing performance at minimum development cost, repeatedly resulting in high operational and life cycle costs. A shift in NASA design culture toward design for minimum discounted life cycle cost, accompanied by robustness and adequate margins, will allow NASA programs to be more sustainable. In-Space Propulsion for almost all foreseeable missions beyond low Earth orbit, there is a need for one or two propulsive maneuvers, often after weeks or months in space. Efficient engines and stages with high reliability restart capability will need to be developed. End of section 11. Recording by Maria Casper.